All right, ladies and gentlemen, I want to welcome you to another episode of We Create Music TV. I am your host, B. Vaughn, and today we have, man, my man, the letter L Beats, music producer and educator extraordinaire. Man, welcome to the show, brother. Hey, man, thank you for having me on, man. Of course, I appreciate that. of course. You know, little does the letter L Beats know that uh, I had seen him around many, many places, many places. I think the very first place I saw him was at an iStandard event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was walking around, had his camera, he was doing all types of all types of stuff and into all types of things. And that was when I first recognized, like, man, who's this guy? I and mean, what is he doing? It just seems like he's into to everything and he knows everybody. So man, I it's a, it's a honor and a pleasure to have you on the show today, my my brother. Um, that's a humbling thing for you to say too, man. I really appreciate that. Um, I am just out here just trying to work and just mm -hmm. get to my goals. So it's like it's interesting to hear that perspective of you know how people see me. So mm -hmm. thank you, thank you for having me on. I'm glad um, I am worth having on the show. Now, I appreciate it. Thank you for being here, yeah. man. So you have a very interesting background. Oh, yeah. Like, if you don't know anything about the letter L Beats, just Google the letter L Beats or go to the letter L Beats.com. I mean, he'll share that at the end. But just some of the things that he's been involved in is, and his backstory is just amazing. So, if you could share with our listeners, our viewers, just how did, how did you get started? Yeah, so um, I started making beats, I wanna say fall of 2007. Mm. Um, I think it was something that had been in the back of my mind have been in my subconscious, have, you know, the ideas um, had been thought of, but, you know, I think there has to be this, um, there has to be an opportunity, there has to be some money, there has to be, mm -hmm. you know, just space, right? Um, and so 2007 was really the first time I had all of the above. Mm. Um, you know, I started with, you know, there's this basic Yamaha keyboard you're gonna see in every general music education oh, yeah. room. Mm -hmm. Started with that, thought I was doing something because I could press the arpeggiator and make a couple sounds and, <laughs> um, at some point, right. I, I bought what I thought was a sampler. It turned out to be a four-channel mixer. Mm. Um, I had an ASR. Everybody talks about the ASR um, the, the 10, mm -hmm. right? I had the ASR X, which is like a bulky box. It kind of looks like the MPC. Mm -hmm. And it's got these like trapezoid keys that are supposed to mimic like a piano. It was, mm. it was crazy wild. But um, I remember I was living in Columbus, Ohio at the time. Mm -hmm. um, and I had a homie, um, Hot Hands. Um, Check him out, High Hands Entertainment. Um, and so he was the only person I knew that was making beats. Um, wow. And I think I found him on like Craigslist. Right? Okay. And so I, I would make, you know, I would spend time making batches of beats. I would take over his crib. This is like early 08. And so he, he'd be playing, I'm like, yeah, them, them are cool, them are cool. So like two or three times, finally mm -hmm. he was like, hey man, um, using stock sounds, right? Mm -hmm. and at the time I didn't know what stock sounds were. Mm -hmm. and it's weird because this conversation we used to have about stock sounds has really died down because stock sounds aren't stock. Right. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like the way we are in 2020. But, you know, back in 07, like the stuff that came with it sounded like Fisher Price. You know what I'm saying? Especially out of that little Yamaha. <laughs> and so he'd be like, man, so he, he he would hit me too, yo. He'd take these wave files, take this disc, take this. And so at some point I got my hands on MPC. Mm. Right. And so I used some of the discs and quickly I saw, okay, that's, this is ridiculous. You got to keep all these discs and reload the sounds. And no, I was like, this yeah. ain't going to work. You got to have SCSI drive. And yeah. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. And also, too, what I noticed was... Like, I would make dope loops, but I didn't like the sequence. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people, there's going to be somebody, somebody's listening right now is going to say, the, C the NPC sequence is the easiest one. Listen, man, everybody's different, right? right? And so I needed something that was very clear and visual and open, right? Mm -hmm. And so I had a homie that introduced me to Reason. And what caught me right off the bat was like the animations mm -hmm. and the racks. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, um, and 
you know, considering if you're in the very beginning stages mm -hmm. from time to have idea to start beat to finish beat, you know, wasn't so the, the learning curve wasn't that bad. Mm -hmm. And so you experienced early success, which encourages you to go on, you yeah. know what I'm saying? And so um, through there, you know, I just started teaching myself. And at this time, you know, um, I think when I started, I was like coaching football and substitute teaching and running an after school program, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so, you know, things evolved. I started teaching. Next thing you know, I'm getting my master's in education and I'm wow. still like, you know, teaching myself how to make beats. And then um, I get my master's and I start teaching. I'm bringing the beats into the classroom and, you know, we're doing crazy stuff. Like I was teaching English, right? And mm -hmm. so they had to write a persuasive essay in the fall and they had to mm -hmm. write a persuasive essay in the spring. What I did was you got a certain score in the fall. I just made you do your outline in the spring and then you could write a rap song for your persuasive essay, you know, that kind wow. of stuff. I was teaching kids how to make beats when, you know, kids, I mean, you know, you can get on FL Studio, but it's just like, with kids, you got to like channel that energy, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? So it was like kids had like dabble with stuff on their phones, but I was the first person in Champaign, Illinois, where a lot of kids were like, oh, Yo, you can really do this. Like mm -hmm. I'm bringing in the monitor speakers and I'm bringing in the MIDI controllers and showing them how to do wow. stuff. Um, and so at this time I started dabbling in video, right? I'm doing a video yearbook. We're doing soundtracks. Mm -hmm. We're doing stuff like we took uh, Kevin Gates, I Don't Get Tired, mm -hmm. and remade it into like this, um, it's like school spirit song to start the school off. Wow. Video went viral. He did the same thing with Iggy Azalea Fancy. We're making music videos. We're teaching kids. We're remixing songs. We're working with the band. Like they, we did, um, you know, uh, dun, dun, da, 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 da. the little from FAMU. They yeah. Doing, uh, we took and remade that into like a school song where like the band participated, played some wow. arts, taught kids how to do audio, all that kind of stuff. So I'm having a blast, but what's happening is, you know, um, one, it's a school, so learning starts to occur. Right. Where, like, I have the principals that love it. It's like, you know, people, my classroom was under a lot of scrutiny. Because people are like, well, are y'all learning? Well, yeah, the kids are learning, but mm -hmm. we're having fun. Their idea of education is everybody sits down and just listens mm -hmm. to the wall, right? And open a book, and that's the only method to learn. Yeah, right. and so at the same time, I'm feeling less and less fulfilled going to school every day because I'm starting to realize, like, it, this education is BS. Our education mm -hmm. system, we're, you know, it's a lot of red tape. Mm -hmm. It's a lot. It, it's just, I don't think kids are learning. I think we're doing a lot of babysitting. So that just coupled with the growing need for me to, I really want to make digital media, right? Mm -hmm. So I moved to Atlanta. Um, I, let's see, I taught for about three months. Um, okay. And then, you know, I was working at a studio, um, doing kind of an internship thing. What I was able to start doing was finding ways to make money outside the paycheck. Right. So I quit my job. I didn't mm. tell my girl nothing. <laughs> I just quit. Now, we still together. She stayed <laughs> down with me. <laughs> like, she could be like, what? But what she watched me do over the course of the last couple of years is find a way to really, when you say this mm. phrase, get it out the mud, is really thrown around. I've gotten it out the mud. I found a way to get a job in higher education teaching beats. I mm. found a way to get a list of clients who trust my ability to coach them at making mm -hmm. beats, monetizing their music. Um, you know, um, marketing and branding. That's something mm. I've gotten good at. Those stickers over there, I think the stickers are dope. I think the stickers look cool. I think they were born out of some really good intellectual property and creativity, right? But those happen because we needed money in the house. Yeah, I don't blame you. And that has, that's been about 25, 30% of my income over the last nine months. Wow. And just the thought of, you know, um, you know, a, oh, a certain merch set and design sets that appeal just to producers. Yo, wait a minute. But if, if you don't look, you got to get the, the letter lbeats.com. You got these stickers on there. Yo, this is dope right here. It says doll. It's like a pill bottle. It says doll life. It says producers only. 
take daily as needed to cook up. <laughs> Quantity is 50. And then he got all different types of things in here. He got, um, what is that? The fat sausage? Yeah. That's in there. Each, each, each little yeah, you got, looks like a VST. You got personas. You got um, Pro Tools, Logic. Oh, yo, this is, this is so dope. Yeah, check. Okay, my bad. No, that's okay. That's yeah, okay. Yeah, that's dope. Um, and so, yeah, man, that's that's just kind of how I got here where, you know, um, I think probably the last thing that happened before I really changed my mindset, mm -hmm. A3C 2018. Mm -hmm. I was there. 2017. I was there too. A3C 2017 was a changing moment because... What? So remember I told you I got this teaching job, right? Mm -hmm. I, I had just, you know, it's it's October, first week in October. Yep. I just started working that job. I ain't got no three days to take off. <laughs> so I yeah. took the one I had, and then the other two I didn't get paid for. And I went to A3C. I was already thinking about quitting then. Mm. Um, you know, I had formed this relationship with Jay Hatch at iStater. Mm -hmm. um, and I was in, I interned for them as a social media intern. Okay. And uh, they, had a, uh, they had an event in Nashville and something happened where they didn't get the ticket and it was cheaper to drive. Mm. And so Hatch was like, yo, if you can run Sizz up there to do the event, I think it was, um, what's my man from 808 Mafia with the big Fuse? Fuse. It was yeah. Fuse that was doing the event. And he was like, hey, man, if you can get Sizz up there and help us out, you know, I really appreciate that. Mm -hmm. And that's, that went a long way and helped me solidify my relationship with them. But already I kind of knew, like, yo, I wasn't going to stay at this job. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I feel you. So what was the, the, the major transition from you that said, you know what? Music is what I really want to do. Yeah. So coming back to um, yeah, A3C, I think once I moved, I knew I was going to do it professionally. I just mm -hmm. didn't know what that path looked like. Right. So A3C 2017, um, I'm doing, I'm at the B-Star Summit part, you know, where they have everybody yep. come through, make beats, they interview everybody. Yep. And DJ Payne One was there. It was my first time meeting him, but it was really cool for me because you know, one of the reasons I identified with him because he's from the Midwest as well, mm -hmm. right? And when I really started getting serious about, okay, I'm not just making beats, just figure, you know, I would make a beat, go to YouTube with somebody to know, but I would just make beats with no mm -hmm. clear direction, right? And so when I started saying, I'm going to show myself how to really get serious about this when it comes to, you know, sequencing something so that an artist can get on it to make sure mm -hmm. that, um, you know, it could be radio ready, the mix sounds right, you know, mm -hmm. transitions and all that stuff. I watched a lot of DJ Payton one content. And so in a sense, he was my one of my teachers, right? right? And so it was a really cool moment to meet him. And so he gave me a piece of advice. He said, um, if you can grow your brand, improve your brand, market your brand and tell your story, you can sell car, uh, car tires if you want to, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? And so that's really what I set out to do. Um, I can say now looking back that I'm done with that phase. And there's this very specific reason and we might get into that later, but that was really my goal in mm -hmm. the beginning was, okay, people know who I am. I can do a lot more after that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So, mm -hmm. um, I think I think I would I would say A three C twenty seventeen was definitely the turning point. Yeah, A three A three C twenty seventeen I think opened up eyes for a lot of different people in a lot of different a lot of different ways. When I attended A three C twenty seventeen, it really solidified to me that I needed to be in Atlanta because the one thing that I didn't like was when I would meet people, I always had to remind them who I was. Yeah, I hated that. I hated that. And I would go back home because, I mean, I moved from St. Louis to Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And I, never, I didn't like every time I would go, I would say, hey. But, so my name back then was Strict Nine. So I had to always introduce everybody. Hey, I don't know if you remember, remember me, but my name is Strict Nine. You know, I do music. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
yeah, I do remember you. Okay, cool. I was like, nah, I can't have that. It's phases to it, right? Because I'm thinking about the space I sit in now, and I remember because everybody everybody comes and visits here. Mm-hmm. Everybody comes and visits here multiple times. Everybody mm-hmm. says they're going to move here. So when you're not here at the moment, and you say you're moving here, people are like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. we'll see. Yeah, right. Then once you get here, then there's that battle, right? Right. Because I'm sitting in this weird space where I'm I know I need to be home. Always. Mm. So I'm walking in a room. I'm introducing myself. I don't care who I think people might think I am. I'm mm. nobody. Right. But I'm sitting in this weird space where I'm walking in the spaces, especially if it's a producer heavy space. What's good, bro? What's good? Yo, what's mm-hmm. up, man? Yeah, what's good? What's good? Man, my letter of beats. Oh, I know you. Mm-hmm. Right. And fine. I don't care. Right. But uh, it, it taught me a lot. Right. One, like, you know, it's cool if people know you. Right. Mm-hmm. But clout has a limit. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Um, Cloud definitely has a limit. Face car helps because it makes people comfortable with right. you. But at the same time, um, ain't nobody tossing me no placement opportunities on face car. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Those opportunities are coming based off relationships and right. how I am of service to other people. You got that right. Yeah, I mean, people, then that was a, the one thing also is that people need to see your face. They need to be able to see your face often so that they can start to establish that relationship with you. Because most things don't move in this industry unless it is relation, unless it comes out of a relationship. Most people think like, okay, cool. I just make a beat, throw it up on somewhere, and then I'm in. It's like, no, like you got to really establish And those relationships. relationships. Listen, if you come to every event for two years, you meet the same people, and the people recognize you from events, that's cool. But the relationships are based on time and interactions too, mm-hmm. right? If the only time you're seeing somebody is... Yo, at the event, you got to figure out who you're cool with. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You got to figure out, like, you could be cool with A, B, and C, and then you turn on A, B, and C, all, you know, they done rented a hotel room, they cooking up beats, mm-hmm. and they done rented a studio, they cooking up beats, they ain't call you. And ain't no offense to them, but that's just, you know what I mean? Get yeah. your own motion. Are you doing an event? Did you call them? Are you pulling them in the right. You know, it goes both ways, but, um, yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah, I tell people that sometimes you got to, you have to go beyond just meeting the people at the event. Right. And so there have been several people that I've met at events, uh, AJ, uh, Smitty Boy, uh, Versatile Tracks. I mean, I could name a whole plethora of people that Greg Smith, homie Greg, appreciate you, brother, that you have to do other things outside of. I always approach it from outside of music, though, like they know that I really don't ask them anything related to music. But it's for me, it's more about relationship. Mark Bird, I think like like me and Mark was super cool. Love you, Mark. But uh, it, it was just a relationship that we built because we were like kindred spirits mm-hmm. with one another. And so you got to be more outside of just, hey, oh, we do music. Oh, hey, what can I get from you? Maybe I can get a placement. You can put me on. It has to be more than more than that. It's interesting because all those people, you know, you've named, I have some kind of relationship with them or I've done something with them but mm-hmm. it does it's not just oh i know you so we'll do out the band right how about just genuine connection yeah right um you know i was talking to you about the homie sound oracle right mm-hmm. um it's like interesting like i know a lot of people i really connect with sound oracle mm-hmm. right and we've talked about some things where it's like oh i kind of see why we see eye to eye on certain things where it's just like here's just the truth it's not about getting along but you're not just going to have a genuine connection with right. everybody you have to know that right and it's not personal Right. Mm-hmm. It is personal. And what I mean is like when you connect with somebody, that's who you meant to connect with. Right. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. You know, shout out to Sound Oracle, who has not been on the show yet. 
<laughs> Sound Oracle. <laughs> yeah, he he can't gotta be real. He's busy. I know. Uh, I, I know. They, trust me, I know. Him and Tris, they they working like I don't oh, know. Man, trust me, I know. I know. I'm always hitting them up on uh, IG anyway. But I know. Like man. another sound kit, another set of art, another sound kit, another sale, another podcast, like, another event. But they working. But that's what I love about the things that they do is that it's the consistency in the work they're doing and they're putting it out every week, all the time. But man, I want to go back to some of the things you were saying in your your introduction. That's just a a crazy transition from coming from the space that you were in and then, you know what, I'm delving full-fledged into music, but the route that you took to get there Mm -hmm. was was very interesting to me, right? I mean, you're in formal education Mm -hmm. and then, and you're teaching English Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden you started to incorporate musicality into how those students were learning and then it transitioned into I'm doing music like music classes production classes mm-hmm. like so kind of how did that really transition because I mean were you solely teaching just English and then it just transitioned into like a so I mean I was making the beats before I even really so this is what happened and I'll just tell you a real story so um, I played football in college mm-hmm. I played University of Illinois um, we Big 10 Big 10 mm-hmm. champs 02 uh, yeah. Sugar Bowl whatever that means. Um, you know, and I was in the process of losing football as an identity, right? Mm. And rightfully so, I'm so glad. I really should have started making beats when I was 15, but mm. I was poor, right? Me too. Um, you know, you, and I don't, you know, I'm, I'm of a certain age where when I was 15, you really low key needed like $2,000 to get into the game. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. And so what happened was, I think I was coaching football and I'm like, okay, is this what I was coaching at a community college? And I was like, is this what I want to do? And then one of the co- assistant coaches, he was um, he was in the middle of becoming an administrator mm-hmm. at a local middle school. It's Columbus, Ohio, where I grew up, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, he was like, hey, man, well, since you got your bachelor's, why don't you come sub? I know you ain't doing much. We need some you know, some strong figures to school. And it was my first time dealing with kids. It's weird because that should have... I should have ran away screaming. It was of all the schools I've been to, and I taught. I did my training in Chicago. This school was worse than the schools I had been to in Chicago. Yeah. Lockdown was like was like lean on me type school. Yeah, yeah. It was low key. Like you would find yeah. spent blunt guts in the corner. Like mm. um, when I went to go tell the principal, the kids getting hot on playground. She was like, "Good, they'll be calm for afternoon classes." We Yo. during that first year, we had a full on riot. That's the whole. Um, in my heart of hearts, what I want to do is I want to get mm. a, a production deal as a writer. I want to do a show about teaching middle school. Wow. Because I got stories for days. Man, I bet. <laughs> it's a, but we had a full-on right. So I could I could tell that story. So I should have ran away screaming, but I didn't. Um, and so I think at that moment, so this is like fall of 07, going into the holidays, coming into 08. Like, I'm subbing. I'm making beats, mm-hmm. taking care of the family. Um, I had just had a baby. Um, and so that's kind of really where that stuff happened, where I kind of knew no matter what, the music thing was going to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, it's a funny story. You know, I was married. Um, and I got divorced. Um, I can't remember when I got divorced. Life was starting running. I think like 13. Right. But I was married for like seven years. Mm. And I wasn't making beats when I got married. And I remember towards the end of marriage, you know, we was in one of them fights. And she's like, why, why, why is making beats so important to you all of a sudden? All you do is sit in that basement and make beats. Mm. And looking on it now, it makes sense. But this is what happens when you're denied your passion for somebody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Where somebody would have brought that to me. Or if I could have started when I was 15, it wouldn't seem like this mm-hmm. has been a part of me this whole time. I was never had the opportunity. Mm-hmm. When I was in school, they said, here, take this alto saxophone. 
I did that for five years and wow. played jazz and it was cool and I learned a few things, but I knew that's not really what I wanted to do. You know, in school it was, you know, especially you growing up black and you know, if you were around the church, you got positive role models, they mm -hmm. want to give you all the things mm -hmm. that are gonna take yeah. this book, take this instrument, take this, right? And what, what you're presenting are the next best thing to what you actually want to do, right? Mm. Why did I get so into English? Because I really wanted to rap, right? Why did I pick up the saxophone? Because I really wanted two turntables and, mm -hmm. and you know, a sampler, but I couldn't get it, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? So that's kind of um, the background of where I come from. And so that's why they pushed me into sports to make sure I got into college and the right. whole nine. And so um, that's how you end up, you know, in the, you know, kind of mm -hmm. in these crazy situations because it's the thing you need to do, the thing you want to do, um, the thing you're called to do and all this stuff is kind of competing with each other. Yeah. And sometimes the path to get there is maybe not the path that we didn't even think that we're taking to get to where we really want to. And it's just a different, a different path that we end up being on. But the end result is that we really end up where we really were meant to be. Well, it's just like with the master's education, right? Like I knew I, was, I had been making beats two years before I got that. Wow. Not realizing, well, I didn't major in music. The reason I was, I'm able to work at a higher institution right now is because I got the master's in education. They right. didn't, they know I can make beats, right? But how to give me a job, that's what they care about. Man. Yeah. And then the power of self-teaching too. Mm -hmm. And see, sometimes people don't even think about, think about that, is using other things in your life that can contribute to your ultimate goal. And if you're able to find how you can tie those things in, man, this is just comes, it becomes hella worth it. Most people don't even know that. It's interesting. You know, I started making the stickers and, you know, just in, you know, doing all those internships, I acquired the Photoshop skills. Mm -hmm. Well, the filled in the gaps. I took Photoshop mm -hmm. classes when I was in high school, right? But nobody was saying multimedia or digital media is going to get you anywhere. Right. Um, I remember when I was in, so my last year of high school, um, I finished in the suburbs of Chicago. Mm -hmm. It was a real culture shock for me. I was, I was going to a magnet school in Columbus, Ohio, where we were living in a Section 8 neighborhood. I moved to live with my dad, who was living in the suburbs. Real nice, sprawling um, estates and homes. Mm -hmm. I'd never seen anything like it. It was a wonderful school district. And they had a big, nice TV studio. Um, and this is like, you know, in the 90s, right? Mm -hmm. And we had this class project for history. And me and the homie made a hip-hop documentary at the time. Wow. Right? Um, and I remember just, it, if you gave me any resources, I was going to apply it to mm -hmm. my love of hip-hop music. You know what I'm saying? So I just... Wish looking back on that now that I would have leaned more into that or was louder with people who are around me saying you should do this or you should do that. You know what I'm saying? And I probably would have found my calling sooner yet at the same time. There you go and here you are. Mm. You know, it's interesting. Yeah, that's telling you. My brother has a very interesting background and how it led him to where he is today. So speaking on that same same vein, so how did you end up as being a professor at the University of Illinois? Urbana Champagne. Yes. So, uh, and shouts out UIUC at Illinois Music. Please follow them. Follow us uh, on Instagram. But um, so, summer of 2016, um, I think I had made the decision like, okay, I'm going to, you know, when you're a teacher, you have summer plans, right? Mm -hmm. What are you going to do? So, I think one year I was going to, the previous few years I'd sub. And when you sub, it's sweet because you're still getting your regular check. Mm -hmm. But then they pay you extra. And it hits during the end of the fiscal year. Ah. So they got to pay you like, so summer school is like eight weeks. They give you like six weeks up front, right? So it's like a $3,000 check, right? And so I think the, the previous year I had like bought a bunch of equipment, right? Mm -hmm. Well, this year I was like, I'm not going to sub. But what I had was I had had a student teacher mm -hmm. from UIUC. Mm -hmm. And so you get free class credits. 
And so um, one of the music teachers one day was like, yo, uh, I want you to come meet my guy. It was a professor at U of I. And he was, um, the music teacher was in the Masters of Music Education program. Mm. And there was this uh, revolutionary professor named Adam J. Cruz who was in there teaching these teachers how to use dogs. So he said, hey, come down to the music room. She said, I want you to meet Adam Cruz. He said, oh, what's up? Uh, regular looking white dude, you know, mm. like professor. He's like, hey, man, Adam got beats. Okay, okay, whatever. <laughs> whatever. Let me hear something. Oh, you got beats? <laughs> you got beat beats. Oh, you got beats. Well, let me play you some of it. He looked at me like, oh, you got beats? You understand, man, it's a town of like, when school is out, it's like 50,000 people in the city. Now, it's weird now because we're doing this class. We've been making this big push. We mm-hmm. did some um, we did some uh, sample flip Fridays with iStandard down nice. there. Nice. It's 100 producers down there in this little city. Now, now, and it's weird now because I see everything they're doing with hip hop. Like hip hop is exploding in this little mm-hmm. city there. But when I was there, none of this was happening, right? So now I'm working with four or five artists there. Well, I'm living here in Georgia. Wow. Right. So anyway, um, so I get to chopping it up with him and he's telling me about what he does. And basically it's revolutionary in the mug. Like, you know, people know about dolls, but it's a very dabblesome process. Mm-hmm. He's intentionally teaching teachers about rap and how to rap with a culture piece tied in to make sure they're not messing it up and alienating black kids. Right. Mm. And he's teaching them how to make beats. So he said, uh, I said, I got these credits. Can I take your class? Right. I just want to get a little better. Right. Well, what I ultimately brought to the class was all these teachers had this these music, this musical background, trumpets, mm-hmm. choir, whatever, and they were dabbling. And so what happened was they would play their projects. They'd be like, oh, pretty good. Now, I don't have any formal music training, but I want to play my beats. They would be like, yo. Mm-hmm. And then what happened was he gave me applicable um, practice situations. Mm-hmm. That's how I got better at sequencing and mixing. Mm-hmm. And my sound was forever changed after I worked with him. But he could clearly see, oh, you know what you're doing with these dogs. Right. So he would call me back and like, you know, so like that summer while we were taking a class, we started going to the detention center um, in Champaign County and teaching the kids, uh, the juvenile detention center, teaching kids how to make beats and write raps. Wow. So then um, during the school year starts hitting me up. We start doing some events with kids during the school year. Man, this is crazy because during this time I was launching an act, like a kid act. Mm-hmm. I actually had, when Jermaine Dupri did uh, the rap game, when they were doing mm-hmm. calls for season two, I actually got a kid from Champaign, uh, a screening interview for the wow. rap game, with we were, I was writing her songs, recording everything. Um, so then the next summer, he's like, um, "Was this when we started camp?" I think the next summer is when we started camp because that. So that was summer sixteen. Mm-hmm. I moved to Georgia. He said, "Hey, we're going to do a, a week long hip hop camp because they have a summer, like a two month long summer band camp." Um, you know, it's called a Illinois Student Youth Music, right? Mm-hmm. You know, most state schools, University of Georgia probably has a two-month-long mm-hmm. band camp. You know, kids will come for a week to do piano. Kids will come for a week to do yep. choir. Well, they had been doing rock for like 10 years, right? <laughs> wow. So he's like, so it's time to do hip-hop, right? Well, next year is going to be our fourth year. We're wondering if we're going to have enough money and, and personnel to handle the kids we're going to take. Because the first year we had like five kids. Well, we're probably going to get like 35 kids mm. year. Um, it's one of my points of pride. Mm-hmm. This is my alma mater where, you know, I went there really to play football and I came out like not only like a man, but this this place has grown me over the years. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And so it's really a point of pride to be able to host this event, to be able to say, you know, we got we got two kids that came back as counselors. One is at um, is at a uh, full sale and one is at Tennessee State. They both study music. Right. Uh-huh. Um, we're, we're really trying to get to a point where we have a full on um Master or, or excuse me, bachelor's in uh, mm-hmm. commercial music production program. But I'm also learning a lot about higher education and academia. Like it's really a process. Mm-hmm. You have to form relationships with people who have money. 
You have to prove time and time and time and time and time again that you have the expertise. You have to prove time and time and time again this is actually helping kids. You know what I'm saying? So um, it's been it's been a challenge, but it's it's it's, it's for me and Adam. That's it's our baby. Yeah, we love the school, we love the community, we love the city. Um, I always joke when I came to Atlanta, mm-hmm. I got a master's in commercial music production that I am taking back to Champagne. Okay, look, man, I told you this, this brother's story is amazing. The impact that he has on the music culture is amazing. Like he's impacting and changing lives from a youth perspective. And he's impacting and imparting knowledge into those individuals so that when they grow up, they're continuing that legacy and passing that down to, to others. It's more than just sitting. That's why I love it. That's why I love it. It's more than just sitting in the basement, making beats, getting a placement, smoking weed, doing whatever you do. And then like he is changing lives of the youth. My brother, that's kudos to you, my dude, for that. I appreciate that. Big, big kudos to you, my brother. So we've been sitting here for a whole 30 minutes chopping it up Mm -hmm. and nobody said the word placement. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I guess that is coming back to what you were saying. All that work came because, you know, I didn't know how to, I'm still trying to figure out how to get that big placement. I've been, Shoot, me with, too. I've, I've been in a studio with major artists. I've had them record to my stuff, but it's a process, right? Mm-hmm. And so I understood that if I love music for life, it's a lifetime commitment. So what am I to do in the, in the in-between time while I get this placement? Because this placement is start, it starts to represent like 5% of what I'm capable of doing, mm-hmm. right? And so it's like, we're maximizing our capabilities and on your way to any goal, you will have to help some people anyway. Right. So that's kind of how, you know. Man. I don't even know what to say. This, this, yeah. I love when people are changing, changing lives of people. That's kind of why I got into organizational development and training. And that's what I do in my, in my regular day-to-day, day-to-day job because I could see people's lives being changed for, for the better. Okay, so I gotta ask. So we we've been chopping it up a little bit even before we started the interview, and uh, so you started off on reason, mm-hmm. right? Let's talk about that. So <laughs> so most people don't start off on reason. Yeah. Like I've interviewed a gazillion people, and I asked, well, you know, I got started with FL. I think I had one person who said they started off with reason. I think you just like the second one. I think Versatile said he he used reason, and that's kind of what he was using. Yeah. So so what what really drew you to that particular dog and um, what were maybe even some of your own limitations with that dog? Because I know personally there were limitations with it. Yeah, so I messed with FL. Don't get it twisted. And it was some kind of like basic version of FL. Right. Um, if it, you remember the FL guitar slayer? <laughs> like that's, I, I used to play around with that. Whatever it is, the process, it went, it got boring. It was like, too, mm. I don't know if the learning curve, but it was like, okay, well, how do I do this? And I would just get bored. Mm. With reason, I could see start to finish. Mm. Like I could see the whole thing right there with nothing there. Like, oh, the sequence is here. You know, if you put this part here and you play this part here, it's going to be done. Um, I like being able to see everything at once. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, I've noticed that FL people are like, you're like somebody that could like have like a lot of compartments and shelves. Mm. I'm a minimalist. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so I think that's one of the reasons um, reason appealed to me. Now that said, I think that its development over the years has been slow and it stunted my growth mm-hmm. as a producer. Um, it took me a long time to understand what was universal and what wasn't. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I, I, and then the VST thing. 
Now, obviously, that was for the better. Mm -hmm. um, what I think is positive about that is, you know how many times people hear beating? Well, how did you get that sound? Right? Because well, that sound ain't a Nexus. Mm -hmm. That sound ain't, um, you know, stock in FM. Mm -hmm. You can't find it. That ain't, that's only a reason, right? Mm -hmm. And so that was one of the advantages. Um, I think all things are kind of equal now. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, shouts out to Trizza from the Unquantized Podcast. I think you're right. I think reason stunted my growth, but I'm good now, man. <laughs> I'm all right. I'm all right. My bad. Oh, yeah. Mo yeah, most definitely. I mean, I remember when I, st I was afraid of reason. Mm -hmm. I didn't like it. I was on, so when I started, I started on Ableton. Yeah. And my, all my homies were using Reason. And they were like, man, you using Ableton? I was like, yeah, Ableton is dope. They were like, man, you need to come on to Reason. And they showed it to me. And I was like, oh, no. I'm not coming over here. And they showed, when they hit that tab button and it switched the, the rack around and it showed all them wires, I was like, nah, I'm good. Yeah. Ableton ain't got none of that. So yeah. why would I want to use something super complicated like Reason? And I can use something super plain and easy, like Ableton Live, then I end up making a switch. And I still use Reason to this day because of how it, the one thing that draws me to Reason is the beauty of it, the aesthetics of it, how it looks. I love the SSL mixer. I love how it looks. I love that it, it emulates an actual rack when you load up a, an instrument, how you can twist the knob. I mean, even though you're doing it with a mouse, but you, you it's, in your head, you're thinking, oh, I'm really twisting this knob. I'm really patching this cable from the back to another CV or another gate or whatever the case is. And it just it just opened up my eyes to a whole different. That's, you see the reason down here? This is this is a collector's item. I, had, I probably threw these away about four years ago. Yeah, I thought about throwing them away. Well, because I realized like I was having no interaction with the box. I was just carrying the box from place mm -hmm. to place to place. Um, getting that Learning how to be a teacher changed everything mm. I understood about learning something and, and learning more about something and getting better at something. I have to, when I reflect back on the last, I guess it's 13 years now, right? Um, making beats, I have to pinpoint and identify the times when, and there was a point in which I was still learning how to make beats. And there was mm -hmm. a point in which I know how to make beats, but now I'm trying to get better. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so which doll you use matters a whole lot when you're still learning. But which doll you like right now today, if somebody just took reason away from me, I'm gonna get busy and figure it out. You know what I'm saying? I'll I'm find good. something else. Right. But that's because I know I know how to make beats. Matter mm -hmm. of fact, honestly, one thing that got me really comfortable with understanding how all dolls work was once I started teaching. Let me get deep for a second. Bear with me. There's something called Bloom's Taxonomy of Learning. When you, you go to Google it, it it's gonna be a tri triangle, right? The lower levels of Bloom's taxonomy, you have like rote memorization, things mm -hmm. like that. The higher levels, you have things like synthesization. Synthesization. Uh, synth excuse me, synthesis and creation. Let me say that right. That's right. right. And so, you know, it's kind of like when you first start, what you do, you go remake a beat. Right. Then you watch somebody else make a beat, right. you make it just like them. When you get to the higher levels, you're creating and doing things that people haven't done before. You see mm -hmm. what I'm saying? And so once I see myself at the higher levels of the triangle, now I can see like, oh, okay, this is universal teaching somebody how to use logic. Mm -hmm. Well, did you use your automation? Well, no, what's automation? Well, this is what automation, this is what it does, is figure out how to do it in logic. I know how to do it in reason. Mm -hmm. And then I'm teaching the next person how to do it in Ableton, how to do it in FL. Mm -hmm. And so then I'm learning, oh, this is universal across dolls. This isn't. Well, here's a concept, right? So if I'm gonna, I teach you, I might teach you a sound design concept. If you're in FL, I'm gonna say, pull out gross beat. If you're in reason, I'm gonna say, hey, you probably wanna pay that $12 to grab halftime or learn how to time stretch. <laughs> right. If you're in logic, I'm gonna tell you how to time. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so, whatever it is, it kind of really started with FL. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Because what happened was so much stuff was changing the music and it was pivoting on what was happening in FL. FL. So yeah. you had to go learn how to do it. Either go get FL, which are you going to completely switch your dog like you did? I didn't. I, did. I started learning how to do do the FL stuff in reason. Mm. And that almost was better to me. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So now when any new thing comes out, I can figure it out. Yeah. And I can do it in reason. To where I can play, you'd be, oh, use FL? No, I use reason. I just know how to do that. Yeah. You know I'm, I'm going to tell you what helped me really, really learn reason. James Bernard. Now, James, I know you're not on reason anymore. <laughs> but thank you for all them reason 52 things you put together because man that boy was and I actually got a chance to see him in action mm-hmm. live in Nashville and him do a, a full-fledged reason class shouts out to Justin wow. Williams too because he was on some of the reason content mm-hmm. early um Bernard got that voice so yeah <laughs> he do so I can only do a couple videos <laughs> before I'm like yeah, I I switch it up and then shouts out to uh July Bradley kickback mm-hmm. to kickbackcouture.com um, she's doing a lot, uh, a lot of tutorials for Reason. There's a, like a, a DJ mixer. Mm-hmm. And we, I didn't know about this free in Reason. Did you know about this? A DJ mixer? Yeah, I forgot what it's called, but basically you can patch it to where if you got two different samples, you could like, so let's say you take two tracks, mm-hmm. you compose something, two other tracks, you compose something, same key, you can patch mm-hmm. them and switch them like it's a DJ controller. I've, I've had that in my back pocket for oh. about four weeks right now. I haven't even used yet. So that, see, that's the thing. That's the thing I love about Reason is the fact that there's so much you can do with it. I mean, it has so many capabilities that most people don't even explore those capabilities. I mean, FL, no knock on FL. All right, I know I'm gonna get a bunch of haters when you know when I say this, people say I'm hating, but FL to me seems very easy. With Reason, that's why I was scared of it because there were so many things you could do with it. I mean, you could twist this knob, you could change the LFO, you know what I'm saying? You can change the, the wavelength. You could do so many different things. I'm like, and I had a conversation with a friend of mine. He said, you know, the difference between hip hop producers and like EDM producers is the fact that they are heavy into sound crafting and sound designing. Right. And, and Reason really was made for like EDM type music mm-hmm. because there's so many different things that they can do in it that we probably would never use in in urban music. We I feel like you could say that three years ago. I think mm. we're using a lot of that stuff now. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like like automation is a big one. Mm. Right. Where I mean, and listen, automation is automation. It's always been around. But I think the way we're starting to use it um, in. I don't know what word I want to use, but I'm not using urban no more. <laughs> I'm just black, whatever, black music. I had a whole thought about that over here. Mm. I, I grew up on the radio, right? Mm-hmm. So we want to call it black radio, it's called black radio, and I understand what people are saying, but we got to come up with something for that little bit. Anyway, mm. in black music, I think we're doing it more in black based music, um, which is, you know, um, parameter shifting, sound right. crafting, I think. Because yeah. here's an interesting thing for me not having girl speak and trying to reverse engineer what Gross right. Beat does taught me a lot. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? This is a new philosophy we carry over at U- uh, University of Illinois, and we're teaching a lot of music teachers this, right? Mm-hmm. It's interesting when I started teaching music teachers how to make beats because I've, I've, I, in my mind, making beats, it's about DAW skills, it's about composition skills, mm-hmm. right? Traditionally, everybody's been heavy on composition. Right. One of the great lessons of T-Pain is T-Pain can sing, but obviously it was a lot of his DAW skills that kind of propelled his mm-hmm. career, right? 
well, you have a lot of music teachers that are, you know, they know how to play the piano, they know how to play the keys, and they know music theory, so they want to lean on that, but they suddenly freeze up when you put them inside the dog. Right. And what I'm trying to tell you is you can tap out a three-note melody and sound design it into something amazing. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Where you wouldn't have been able to do that. And by the way, your students are probably already doing it. Mm. You see what I'm saying? And now they get all intimidated. I'm just, it's not that serious, right? You went to grad school, you got higher degrees. Mm -hmm. It ain't no more complicated than, you know, any 10 page essay you had to write. Mm -hmm. You gotta sit down with the time. Meanwhile, when you, you know how it is with kids, right? They got all the time in the world to figure out everything. Everything, yeah, that's right, <laughs> you know, everything you, else. You know, a 25 year old can't compete with a 15 year old <laughs> in that respect. <laughs> right, right, you got that right. But, uh, no, I mean, I, I agree with that. I do think those those are critical, having doll skills and composition skills and kind of putting those and marrying those yeah. together. Because in the new millennium, right, sound design matters much more than composition. Uh, you, you saw the Quincy Jones doc, right? Of course. So there's only, how many notes are there? 12, it's 12. I think so. Whatever the thing. I don't remember, but it's, it was a good documentary. It's, it's a set number of notes and a set number of chords, mm -hmm. and we've heard them all before, right? So what's going to separate them now moving forward? It's the sound design. It's the sound design. Yeah. How you take those chords and how you switch them up and how you make them sound and engineer the sound around it, that's going to really make make the difference. You mess with a looper writer? You know what? A little bit. Like, like maybe that much. Honestly, I haven't made a beat in six months, probably. Hey, do you? You know man. why? Because I've been sitting here doing this old show. Do you, though. Do, you. <laughs> do what you love. Do what you love. I think I made one beat. I sent it over to my friend. He added what he was gonna add. It came out dope though. Yeah. Came out dope. Well, send me some stems, we'll get a collab in. Came out dope. Um, shouts out to Cable Guys. So I started rocking with them about a year and a half oh, yeah. ago. Uh, Lee, he just sent me Shaper Box. I think I bought Halftime. I did a tutorial about it. Mm -hmm. It was like, oh, that's dope. Here, man, take Shaper Box. I was like, oh, work. Shaper Box 2 came out. Here, take Shaper Box 2. Hey, man, we got Big Crusher. Hey, take that. Mm -hmm. So I, I always want to talk about that, man, because they've been very good to me. Um, I use their stuff mm -hmm. a lot. It's like salt and pepper. So I definitely mm -hmm. want to shout them out. Um, I definitely want to shout out Liberator though. That's my new like crack. Mm. Like, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. um, I was I was hooked on arcade for a while. Went to rehab. Got off that. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I was watching a quantized podcast one day, and Sound Oracle started talking about it. And so it was weird because you had a bunch of people say, "Hey man, I just dropped it." Mm -hmm. A bunch of people was like, "Why you just drop it? I just picked it up." And so one of the nuances that got teased out is one of the reasons I dropped this because I thought I was paying on it and I was leasing it. So I was 120 in before I realized, oh, I'm going to keep coming out of pocket for this. And so then a bunch of people was like, wait, we are buying that? I was like, oh, gee, because this it's interesting what they did. This, oh, this, it is super interesting. It's my, it this is my opinion. It's the same thing as splice and sounds, but because of the, the constant replenishment and because of the, the key... Mm -hmm. and BPM adaptation, it's better. That's just my opinion. Now, I ain't, that's just my opinion. But when you realize like, oh yeah, you leasing that like that car. <laughs> you, ain't, you ain't never gonna you, own it. You're never gonna own it. That's what I was like. Uh, so I, I ended like up getting membership. it. gym <laughs> membership. So, so look, I ended up getting it. And then I was like, once I went back and I was like, oh nah. Yeah. This is not something I'm gonna keep paying for without actually owning it. It's not a, no, no, I, I need a. I'm, I'm gearing up. I'm gonna go get it. For I need a rent to own. Yeah, versus just a lease. I, if I'm gonna rent it, I want to eventually own it. And, they, and Reason has programs like that. They started doing the same thing where you could rent their, you know, rack extensions. No, I just want to go buy it. 
I need reason I need you to give like lower discounts on some of y'all rack extensions though. Like, y'all, y'all tripping when it comes to some BST of the layaway. I'm like, oh my goodness. Yeah, BST credit. <laughs> Three easy payments on BSTs. But they sell BSTs like used cars now. But you know what? If you look at it and then you you look at the price and you go, oh, it's only, you know, four dollars a month that I'm paying for this one particular VST. But cognitively, you're not really thinking like, wait a minute, I'm never going to own this thing. I'm going to have to keep leasing and keep leasing if I want to continue to use it. And if I don't pay, then they're going to take it back. And every beat that I made with it that has that particular VST, I can never well, I gotta I, replace it. I, you know, I learned bounce the audio when so when, oh, yeah. when so Reason was doing the 30 day demos. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they still doing them. Uh, yeah. So this is what, hey, we got this new. Okay, I'm gonna get it for 30 days. I'm just gonna run through it and then bounce everything out the audio. <laughs> Cause here's the other thing too. Yeah. Now you got the samples. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like, eh. you yeah. know, a old beat is like a simple playground, mm -hmm. especially when something new like Loop Array or Shaper Box or something like mm -hmm. that comes out. Yeah. I see. I, I would love to get to the point where uh, they can start sending me stuff for free. Send me stuff for free. Okay. <laughs> I would love it. Praise is due to the creator because I didn't yes. know. There, yes. You know, reason started hitting me up about doing videos, and the reason I said no is I just wasn't set up. I was no longer set up for it. It mm. wasn't part of my business model. Mm. Uh, I'm not a. I'm not a YouTube guy. I'm just gonna go out there and. Say that mm -hmm. I'll put stuff on YouTube, but I'm not Captain YouTube. Yeah, I'm not Captain YouTube. I, I know where my um, assets lie. Right. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out how to be Captain YouTube, but I'm, I'm really not. Yeah, I mean, you got five thousand extra dollars just pour into it over the course nope. of the next six months. Oh, okay. See, there you go. But you know, honestly, I want to give a shout out to DJ Toomp though. Yes. You know why? Because I had a conversation with DJ Toomp, and he is the reason why Reason has the SSL. I didn't know that mixer. So that summer, 2016, I was talking about, that's also what happened. Reason 8 just came out, mm -hmm. and that was the first version that had the SSL mixer. Because they, they had other EQs, but mm -hmm. they weren't. Just having an XSL mixer kind of taught me how to mix. Yeah. Because, man, I was no longer afraid to use external mixes because of that Reason mixer. That one channel strip was just like, oh, it was amazing. But shout out to DJ Toon for the suggestion of that SSL mixer in Reason greatly appreciated thank you for that okay so i want i want to ask okay um producer grind mm -hmm. if you don't mind me asking mm -hmm. so you, you were doing some things with producer grind um and then uh, eventually you were no longer doing things with, with producer grind mm -hmm. um i don't know if you want to share a little bit about that uh, i know I, I will personally be interested in hearing about that um um i, I want to say i'll say a lot i'll say is I'm grateful for my time there. Mm. I learned a lot. Um, anything I do, I pour a lot into it. Mm -hmm. So when I pour a lot into something, I expect a lot back. Right. But what you also have to understand is when you are operating, even if you have your own intellectual property, if you're operating under somebody else's in the tent mm. of their intellectual property, they own your intellectual property, mm. essentially. And so there's no, I don't want to say this. Here's the, here's the best way I can put it. And it's not just my experience there, too. I'm a student of the game, right? I've read all the books, everything, right? Mm -hmm. And there's always a lesson to be taken from everything. So you'll see me pulling lessons out of everything, right? Mm -hmm. Diddy worked for Andre Harrell at Uptown. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows this, right? Yeah. And I read both books. At some point, whoever Diddy was just got too big for that place, right? Because you can only, only one person can be in charge. Sure. 
And so I would say that one thing that taught me that I needed to go build my own thing was the fact that no matter where I was, like, I'm just a big personality. Mm -hmm. I got a lot of voice, got a lot of ideas. I'm very passionate about what mm -hmm. I do. So I need my own house. And I'm glad I finally made that decision. I'm glad I was finally able to see that for what it was because it made me take stock of my house, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. If you look at all your platforms as your home, right? Your website, your social media, whatever, mm -hmm. right? I got this dope Instagram because I love the platform and I've developed it a lot, right? So if you call Instagram your kitchen, right? I got a really big kitchen mm. attached to a studio apartment because I haven't developed my YouTube uh, like I should have been. I haven't developed my Twitter like I should have been. And so now that I can see that picture, um, I have a much better plan of implementing my own platforms and my own intellectual property. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, I'm a passionate person. If I put a lot into something, I love it. I feel a way about it. If mm. something hurts it, it hurts me. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So um, that gets complicated when you have other people pouring the same into it. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? So um, at some point, you know, you got to find your own lane, your own space to exist in. And I think that would be true of uh, my myself, my identity, whoever I am as a producer in any place I may have been attached to or any relationship with any company I may mm -hmm. have had. I appreciate that. No I appreciate, problem, appreciate you giving some insight on that. Well, well, one thing that I recognized early was overall the producer community is a community of uh, introverts, generally mm -hmm. speaking. Like if you just throw a rock and grab a producer randomly, he's probably going to be an introvert. Mm -hmm. And I saw that one of my my strengths is I'm very much extrovert. Me too. Person. I love talking. When you see me, like I don't Super extrovert. I kind of know everybody, but I just like talking to everybody. I want to know who people are. Mm -hmm. So I get around and talk to people. And so, um, what happens is that makes you a good candidate for a brand ambassador, right? Mm -hmm. So people will see you and go, man, I'd love to have that person speak for my brand. But then once somebody decides they want somebody to speak for their brand, that person starts speaking. If that's their first experience, they kind of, sometimes they record like, hmm, how do I feel about that? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So it's it's a learning process for everybody mm -hmm. involved. Um, yeah, no, I agree. Because here's, here's what it is. Other people have asked me about it. I always... I want to try to remain neutral, mm -hmm. but I always need to speak my truth. Right. You know what I mean? So that's always a, a, a tough conversation to have. Right. Well, I, I appreciate you providing insight and taking the time to even even just kind of sharing your thoughts around that. I'll say this. Because I want to, this is the last thing I'll say. I said, you know, I'm a person that when I give a lot, I expect a lot in mm -hmm. return. What I learned in Atlanta was giving a lot. is just the cost of doing business. Mm -hmm. If you decide to give to somebody. If you decide. That's right. And they kind of look at it like, that's your choice. It's like, oh, okay. mm. that's how you feel about it. Mm. Where, where I come from, they treat it differently, but thanks for letting me know. Right. Wow, yes. I would agree with, I would agree with that. You know, and my, I will tell you, from a transparency perspective, my wife has that um, kind of thing about me is because she always tells me, you give more than what other people will give back to you. And I said, yeah, I know. And, and she sees it as a, a, not a roadblock, but as a something that's not really helping me because I'll give to somebody else. I'll take their stuff, I'll promote it, I'll post it, I'll talk about it, I'll be where they need me to be, mm -hmm. and I'll come and take pictures and videos, but the, it's not really reciprocated. But it's, it is, it's like, that was your choice to do that for them. Well, I think that's why I'm always going back to the drawing board, right? Because... Here's what was hard for me in the three years here. There are a bunch of personality attributes that serve me really well in other areas of life mm. that while they started me well here, 
hurt me when I tried to move to the next step. And mm-hmm. those two things are one is giving of people, right? Just really being able to give and say, hey, I respect, but I'm going to give, give you my best and everything, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I think the second one is, and I'm trying to remember if I didn't lose my train of thought, um, is, uh, oh, well, it'll come back to me. It'll come back. Yeah. So, yeah. so, but yeah, at least that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my girl, she watches because she's been so supportive and, you know, when things are mm-hmm. not as liquid, you know, she kind of, you know, helps fill in, but then we're, you know, we're doing well. It's, you know, kind of like I'm the one that you got, you know, kind of yep. helping her, but she does have something to say when I decide to make a move. So I think, um, yeah, I wanted that other one to come back to me, but it didn't. So, uh, <laughs> no, it's all good. So even in that same vein, what would be the one big piece of advice that you would give somebody coming into this music industry? Build your own. Mm. Build your own. Build your own. Build your own, whatever. Mm. And make the lifetime commitment to do it. If you can't make the lifetime commitment, it ain't for you. Mm. But build your own. Because it's going to look one way one month. It's going to look one way the next year. Mm-hmm. But if you stick with it, it's going to be on point. Shouts out to Progress Report and Lala and company. Mm. I've been watching what they do for the last two years. And it's just it's just grown. And it's amazing. I'm watching what you do. And even in the last few months, it's just grown. Mm-hmm. And so build your own. Whatever it is you're going to build, build your own. Yeah. Um, I've had to come to that realization. And I am always the type of person that want to include others. And once again, it goes back to that. I want to give, but most people don't want to <laughs> give back in the same amount that, that I end up giving. Um, mm-hmm. it, and it, it's work. It's work for one person to build their own, but you have to be consistent at it. You got to develop the game plan that you're going to utilize in order to to be able to do that. I mean, there has to be some type of roadmap, but I will always say, Man, it's a road map, and sometimes there's going to be bumps in that road. Sometimes there's going to be detours and other little bumpy roads that you're going to have to take to get to where you need to. Yeah. And it's, yeah. It's only one more thing I want to make sure I speak on before I get up out of here, man. I got to give shouts out, too, because it reminded me. One of your former guests, Smart Boy Beats. Mm-hmm. Smart Boy. Smart Boy. Shouts out to Smart Boy. Bounce Gang. Bounce Gang. Yeah. Bounce Gang. Um, Symphonia. So... When I first got here in that summer 17, I used mm. to work with, I worked with a rapper named Young General in Chicago who worked mm-hmm. with a rapper named Mickey Halstead. Mickey Halstead now manages G Herbo, but the guy that managed Mickey Halstead had moved to Atlanta mm. and I had stayed in contact with him. When I got here, he said, hey man, um, I got a guy that's working with some kids in the studio. Um, it turned out to be a, a dude named John Thomas mm. who runs the 411 Brand Foundation. Okay. who's doing awesome things for kids and has let me um, become a program facilitator for him. So that's one of the things wow. we do in the summer and after school here. He gave me a job, you know what I mean? Wow. But also like gave me a home to really do these awesome projects with kids. Um, you can check them out at the 411brandfoundation.com. I want to shout them out because we did this awesome project over the summer where the kids wrote and we finally released their songs. He bought the kids their lifetime membership to um, ASCAP. Wow. Um, he got them a radio appearance on V103. We shot the uh, music video and Big Tigger was in it. But I really want to give a shout out to Smart Boy because the first week, it was our third year doing the 411 brand mm-hmm. music academy. The first week, I had to be out because we were doing hip-hop camp in Illinois. Mm-hmm. And I called him Smart Boy because usually we start before then. And so okay. I was just like, hey, I'm going to miss. But it was the first week. I said, Smart Boy, I need you to stand there for me. Smart Boy's way better than me at everything. He's also a music <laughs> teacher. No, trust me. He's also <laughs> a music teacher. Oh, I know. The, the, the music they came out with was like, yo. Mm. It was amazing. And Smart Boy did this remix. 
So like I said, we did the video, shot some of the mm -hmm. cascade, big tickers in the video, Greg mm -hmm. Streets is in the video. Um, but I really want to shout out my man, uh, John Thomas of the 401 Brand Foundation, because um, he's been a big help to me in facilitating the work that I want to do, staying involved in the music. You know, like I said, that big placement, there's 50 million people trying to get that, right? So mm -hmm. while I'm trying to get that, what else am I going to do? And he helped give me something to do. So um, wow. that's awesome. I wanted to make sure I shouted him out too. Wow. Yeah. See, this, wow. But yeah, shout out to a smart boy. My dude right there, yeah. Symphonia. You know, good guy, very good guy. Let me get this stepping up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah, trying to man. get a smart boy to you about. Really? He's an asset to us. Because oh, yeah, here's is. the other thing I'll say out loud. Higher music education is lacking in diversity in a way that everybody's willing to say out loud at this mm. point. <laughs> so. mm. That's right. And he's a dope music educator. He's amazing. So he, he's, he's, yeah, dope music educator. But man, it's been a pleasure. I mean, that's so much that we could get into. Like, we didn't even scratch the surface on a lot of stuff, my brother. Like, wow. Thank you, man. I appreciate you wow. having me on, man. It's been a pleasure. Yes. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Anything, any last thing you want to say to to the, the, the watchers, the viewers, the listeners? Yes, man. The letter L beats.com. T-H-E-L-E-T-T-E-R-L beats.com. You can grab those stickers, those merch. Um, if you want the sound kit, you can holler at that. Any music educators that would like to work with me, I will come to your classroom. I will help you develop programming for your students. Um, rappers, you know, if you want some beats, I guess holler at me. <laughs> I mean, I'll get in the studio. I'd rather do a whole project, but, you know, I'm here. I make beats. <laughs> it was just like, like how nonchalant he was like, you yeah, know, rappers, you want beats? <laughs> I got those too. Like, yeah. <laughs> That's what's up, man. That's what's up. But, man, ladies and gentlemen, the letter L beats. Amazing, amazing gentlemen. Thank you for being on the show today, man. I greatly appreciate it. Appreciate it, appreciate it, appreciate it. No problem, man. Thank you for having me, brother. Thank you, man. I appreciate right. it. Thank you. For sure. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for tuning in to another episode of We Create Music TV. You can always catch us every Thursday at 7 p.m. at www.wecreatemusic.tv. Thanks for tuning in to another episode. We're out. Peace. Have a great day. Thank you.